0: Welcome to the Seahawks Forever podcast, hosted by longtime Northwest sports journalist Dan Vians. News, reaction, and opinion. In-depth analysis on everything Seahawks. And now, here's your host, Dan Vians. Happy Monday, everybody. It's a mock draft Monday here on the Seahawks Forever podcast back-to-back shows had a fun discussion yesterday about bobby wagner and the free agent editions and where the roster stands as we are now just one month away from the nfl draft exactly one month from tonight as far as days go thursday the 27th of april will be uh the first round lots and lots of fun uh just to give you a heads up i will be available both uh that thursday night and friday night. I have cleared my calendar and uh, I've thought about a couple of different options, but I think the one that sounds the most fun, at least uh, during the first round on that first night is to live stream during the entire process. Um, Pretty sure licensing issues involved that I can live stream and also show um, the feed from NFL.com and we can just follow the events of the first round together. Um, and maybe even get some guests to pop in and give some instant analysis as well and react to how things go in that first round. So that'll be a lot of fun. But before we get from here to there, we have a lot of analysis and over analysis and thinking and overthinking because that's what I do. And that's what we do. And that's what makes this fun. And on this mock draft Monday, I'm going to do something a little unique, a little bit special. I have... I have tried to illustrate in the past what a Seahawks draft this year might look like if they go quarterback at five, trying to make the point that look, if you're one of those who are dead set against the Seahawks taking a quarterback at five this year, um, just, just know that they can still have a home run draft. And the way that I, that I try to present this to people who have those kinds of, uh, trepidations and and fears about taking a quarterback at five. And, and basically what worries most people other than the simple fact that they just, a lot of people believe that we just don't need to do that right now. And I'll give you my thoughts on that after we show what I'm working on here today. Um, but it's the fact that I try to tell them that It's opportunity cost, first of all, is what most people worry about, right? If we take a quarterback at five, we can't take X player, Y player, Z player. We miss out on that particular player, that pocket of players that's going to sit right around that spot. Um, And what I try to tell people is, look, whether you agree with or not the idea of taking a quarterback at five, play around with mock draft simulators And and do it over and over and over again. It doesn't matter which quarterback you take. Forget about that debate. And we're not going to make that debate tonight. Just take one of the four if they fall to you and then see how the rest of the draft goes. Imagine if all the Seahawks had coming to them this year as the end result of the Russell Wilson trade to Denver was that extra two. We're so used to the Seahawks drafting in the mid to late 20s or trading out of the first round, right? Imagine if they had nine picks in this draft with their first pick being at 20 and having an extra high two and an extra five. Wouldn't you still feel pretty good about John Schneider's ability to address needs and check some boxes and add some dynamic talent to this to this roster, right? So we're going to play with that. I'm going to show you two drafts and I, I've been doing this all day. I used a couple of different simulators and um, ended up ended up going with Pro Football Network just because of the way their board fell and put together two drafts that I'm going to show you side by side, one of them with with a quarterback at five and one without, and then let you be the judge of how strongly you feel about one of the others. So I'll, I'll tell you what my preference is. And then you can draw some of your conclusions. Um, we're also going to get some of your questions, some good ones on Twitter, uh, in particular one about potential trade down scenarios and exactly what it might bring back in return. If the Seahawks were to move down slightly on the draft board, did a little homework for you on that. And, uh, and then, and then I'll unveil these drafts. But first, I want to do this because the big news of today in the NFL, and it has come back around, as it always seems to, to affect the Seahawks. Lamar Jackson has requested a trade from the Baltimore Ravens, officially. Came out with a statement that said he, he doesn't feel like they respect his value and that he would like to explore other opportunities. He would like them to explore opportunities. It's such a unique situation because technically Lamar Jackson is a free agent. He has not signed his franchise tag tender yet. There was a press conference today um, in new England. And somebody asked the owner, Robert Kraft, um, it was crafter Belichick. It went back and forth, um, asked him about Lamar Jackson said, I can't comment on him because he's, uh, he's a player for another team. And the reporter said, he's a free agent. You can comment him, comment on him all you want. And then, uh, some questions were asked of, uh, uh, Chris Ballard, also the GM of Indianapolis today. And he went on at length about Lamar Jackson and how special a player he feels like he is, and and how they have to do their due diligence and weigh all the pluses and minuses, and had some interesting things to say. But here's why this news is pertinent to us and why I'm going to comment on it here. And let's make this clear. First of all, it's not new news. Well, the news is new. But apparently this request to the Ravens was made a month ago. He didn't just demand a trade today. And there was also another report I believe from Albert Breer who said since that request he has continued ongoing negotiations with the Ravens. So, pump the brakes a little bit. This may very well just be a negotiating tactic on his part to try to try to stoke the flames a little bit and get the Ravens spur them to action. But now all the speculation does this increase the chances he is going to move on? Does this maybe spark some interest in other teams that didn't think it was a realistic uh possibility a couple of weeks ago and now they think it's more realistic? And um Dan Orlovsky of ESPN uh tweeted out a list today of teams that he thought were an ideal fit and that should make a make a move for Lamar Jackson. There's about eight teams on there. And he listed the Seattle Seahawks as one of them. And we saw the Seahawks pop up on lists a month ago when uh, Lamar Jackson was first franchise tagged, when it became evident they weren't gonna be able to reach an, a, an agreement by the tag deadline. And I didn't think it made sense then, and I don't think it makes sense now. And so I was asked about, you know, why wouldn't you do this? And here's why, and I'll try to make this as simple as possible. I don't think Lamar Jackson makes sense for the Seahawks in any way, shape or form right now, because it's just not where it's not the right player, not the right time. If I could sum it up any more succinctly than that, the Seahawks are in a place right now where they just moved on from a high priced franchise quarterback. And in doing so committed to building the roster in a certain way and not tying up a huge chunk of their cap space in their quarterback. And I think when they did that, when they moved on from Russell Wilson, we've talked about this a ton. I think the plan was, well, a year from now, we're going to be hunting quarterbacks in the draft. And then Geno Smith played even beyond their wildest expectations. And so now they love Geno. They built their entire offseason plan around getting him signed to a certain type of deal that gives them financial flexibility. They did that. They accomplished that beyond any of our expectations. And now they've used those resources to address other areas. They were more aggressive in free agency than we've ever seen them. Signing Draymond Jones, one of the top free agents available on the first day and continuing to add to other areas. They're not suddenly going to blow that plan up and change course for a run first quarterback who is starting to break down physically and hasn't been as reliable, hasn't been as available and who still, in my opinion, is not a pinpoint NFL passer capable of winning in tight windows against good coverage. Not a great fit for this offense. Not to mention, if you disagree with everything I just said, if the Seahawks want that type of player, they have the number 5 pick in the draft. In a year where there are four quarterbacks that teams all agree are top 10 picks they could just take one of those guys no mileage on the tires way cheaper it just makes no sense to me the idea of lamar jackson coming to seattle is is that it's that fantasy football mentality and i just don't see it happening so i just wanted to comment on that and get that out of the way let us get on with mock draft monday Shall we? Let me bring, let me just bring these up. If you're watching the live feed, I've put these side by side. Okay. I'm not going to do any big dramatic buildup and one pick to the next. And let me just start by saying this. You see a lot of similarities in these two drafts and there's, there's, that's by design. And it's, it's the way I think things would unfold in real life. Teams, teams tier their draft board, right? Right. First round, second round, third round, fourth. If you look at most teams' draft boards are built this way. Across the top, It has, it's by position. Quarterback, running back, wide receiver, offensive tackle, interior O-line, right? Horizontally across the top. And then vertically down the side, it's first round, second round, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, six, seventh. Quarterback. Here are the four guys that we have first round grades on. Here's one or two in the second round. Here's one or two in the third round or none. And so if they go a different way at a certain pick, when that next pick circles back around, they're going to be right back to that same spot on their board and they're still going to have the same needs for the most part. And so you're going to see some similarities because if they do go quarterback at five, well, now, now, you know, you're, you're investing in a guy that's not going to play. It's not going to play for a couple of years. So now those other needs that you have, needs that we all agree on, are primarily focused on the defensive front seven, defensive line, edge, linebacker, and interior offensive line. But we still have some other needs, right? We have to add a running back, at least one. And a guy that can play. A guy that can play as a rookie. I think we have to add a third wide receiver, especially after Marquise Goodwin signed with the Browns. Add someone to that mix. And I think you got to dip into this tight end class. Only one tight end is signed beyond this year, and that's Will Disley, who's had some injury issues. Secondary, I kind of let the board, the board fall. I don't think cornerback is a huge need, but if the right guy's there at the right spot, you're going to take him. And we've seen the Seahawks bring in, I think, three safeties so far on their top 30 visits. And signed Julian Love. And so I think they have some scheme things in mind where they're going to go with multiple defensive backs. And so I keep the, those things in mind too. So here's what I did. On the left side of the screen, if you're watching the stream, at number five, I took Will Levis. And again, this debate is not about which quarterback. In this scenario, Bryce Young, Anthony Richardson, and CJ Stride were all off the board. Most simulations I run, those three players are gone by five. Sometimes Richardson is still available. Young and Stroud never are. And so I took Will Levis just to illustrate how the board would look if we took a quarterback and I look, we're not going to debate this today. I'll say for the third time, but I can and probably will before the draft rolls around, make a case of why I think Will Levis could really appeal to John Schneider. So the quarterback is gone. And now, I don't know, half, 60%, 70%. I'll run some polls here in the next week or so uh, of of Seahawk faithful is freaking out because they don't want a quarterback at five. And now we're behind the eight ball, right? Now we're going to see all these other players that we wanted fly off the board. We're going to see Jalen Carter fly off the board, which obviously there's some some differing opinions about. We're going to see Tyree Wilson fly off the board. We're going to see some of these guys. Those are guys we want. Those are guys we need, right? So here's the how the rest of this draft went. At 20, Lucas Van Ness, the uh the defensive lineman out of Iowa, the thing I love about Van Ness is his tenacity, his motor, uh, his athletic ability, his, his, his speed power, but also the, the fact that he can play, he's scheme versatile. He can play inside on all fours, and he can play defensive end. He can even play edge slash outside linebacker, drop into coverage a little bit. Uh, really versatile. Um, I think we need to get away a little bit from this talk about how, you know, he's not a 3-4 player or he's not a 4-3 player. I think Pete Carroll's made it pretty clear this offseason that they're going to they're gonna run a hybrid. They're going to fit. They're going to figure out a way to use these guys. I love Lucas Van Ness. I don't think he's going to be there at 20, but I'm going by this board, and there he is. And then at 37, first pick in the second round, thank goodness. Mazzie Smith, the the uh, defensive tackle out of Michigan. One of the the best, well, probably the best true nose tackle. So if you are concerned about needing that traditional 3-4 nose, that zero tech or one tech, it's Mazzie Smith. He's an athletic freak at 325 pounds. He can push the pocket. Not a lot of pass rush production, but he affects the pocket on every down. He's exactly the type of player that I need. Again, don't think he's going to be there at 37. But on this board, that's how it fell. Then at 52, Jack Campbell. You've heard me talk about him before. I think he is the best traditional Mike linebacker in this draft. 6'5", 235. Can come up and take on blocks and stack and shed as well as any linebacker in this draft. So he's a guy that, you know what, isn't your starter day one because Bobby Wagner's back in the fold now. But who better to learn from than Bobby Wagner? And then you can pass the torch to a guy who – whether or not Jordan Brooks comes back fully from his ACL or you extend him beyond his rookie contract or not, here's a guy that Brooks can play alongside or Campbell can can wear the green dot for years to come. And then at 83, you got your you get your center. Luke Whippler out of Ohio State. Perfect scheme fit. Not the strongest of the centers in this draft, but can really move and get to the second level. Smart, experienced, played big games for a big school and a big conference. Uh, I think he fits perfectly at 123 hoping to get that that wide receiver three i got parker washington out of penn state kind of has some bobby ingram maybe even a little bit of doug baldwin in him uh, can play outside but kind of projects for me as a slot guy real dependable works the in middle of the field didn't work out of the combine kind of under the radar he's had a little bit of an injury issue but I think he's a guy that would look really good in this offense next to Tyler and DK. At 151, really interesting player who's kind of come onto my radar lately, Braden Daniels out of Utah. And the Seahawks just had him in for a top 30 visit, and this is why I was tempted to take him here. Listed here as a guard, he's played all over. He's played left guard, and he's played left tackle. Played last season for Utah at left tackle, and uh, was one of the best pass protectors. In the league, he's a little undersized, not undersized, he's a little light, 6'5", about 295. But his frame looks like one that, you know, you get him in an NFL weight program, you can put 10, 15 pounds on him, can really move, and a guy that can be a developmental guy long-term, that can be a swing tackle, can play right and left, and he can play guard. I think you need to add those guys every single year in the draft. You can't ever, as I talked about yesterday with big picture, picture roster building, you can't ever look at your roster and go, well, we've got our tackles, we're good. Why would we draft a tackle? Well, this guy can play multiple positions and play him really well. He's got a lot of upside. I said, I want to dip into this tight end class. Payne Durham at 154 had a great senior bowl week uh, of the tight ends that are, that are projected to go this year in the draft. Um, He's one of those that, that I think has a little bit of both. Uh, he can really run good routes, a little bit of run after the catch ability, good hands, but he can block well enough in line. that He can be kind of versatile, um, again, this roster, Will Disley, is the only tight end signed beyond this season. And it's an offense that features the tight end. So not a bad idea to draft one. At 198, got to get a running back. Evan Hull was a star of the, uh, of the Combine, was a star of the Senior Bowl, runs as hard as anyone in the country, and is one of the best running backs out there as far as uh, ability uh, in the to run the football and catching the football as well. And then at 237, to me, this is a steal of the draft. Keandre Coburn, Uh, Another true nose tackle. Uh, Whereas I think Mazzy Smith might be a good enough athlete. He can actually play some five technique in the Seahawks hybrid, you know, odd front and sometimes they go five front and Keandre Coburn. You need depth there. Brian Monet can't be counted on. It remains to be seen if they're going to bring Puna Ford back or sign anybody else right now on this roster, the Seahawks have zero nose tackles. So let's get two of them. Coburn has one of the hottest, motors in this draft it's shocking for his size at 330 pounds how quick his get off is he's got long arms really active chases plays down the field uh he's one of my latest uh draft crushes and I think he'd be tremendous value in the seventh round so that's with a quarterback what do you think you still get a dynamic player in Mazzie Smith who's a true nose you get Lucas Van Ness can be an outstanding edge for you Uh, The one thing, well, I'll come back at the end and we'll kind of wrap up and I'll talk about things I like and don't like from each draft. And I think there is one thing missing from this draft list. Now, without a quarterback at number five, it frees you up to go defense, right? And a lot of times we see it being either Tyree Wilson out of Texas Tech um, or Jalen Carter and then brings up that whole debate about whether he's even on the Seahawks draft board. Uh, but in this case, and I see this happening quite a bit, Will Anderson is the pick in this particular draft. Arizona went with Wilson instead of Anderson. And there are those who say, including Daniel Jeremiah, that there are multiple teams in the NFL that have Wilson rated ahead of Anderson. They think he's a little longer, a little bit stronger physically. And, and just as good or almost just as good as far as makeup and character and all those things go that Will Anderson uh, also has on his side. But but imagine if the draft falls this way and the Seahawks are able to get a guy that probably would have gone number one in the draft a year ago uh, or 13 months ago now. And uh, certainly the, the most dynamic edge rusher and a guy um, that some are comparing to Khalil Mack. Um, as a guy that can be that good coming off the edge and against the run. And then you get into where you see some of the board falling the same way. So I get Mazzie Smith again, but now I'm taking him at 20. In the first instance, Pittsburgh had traded down beyond 20. There are, there were reports this week from pro football network that Pittsburgh really loves Mazzie Smith and may consider taking him at 17 well, he was still available here at 20, so I took him there. I don't want to take a chance. And it it kind of freed me up to do that because I got my dynamic edge guy in Anderson right off the top. Whereas when I took Levis at 5, I went Van Ness at 20 because the drop-off from Van Ness down to the next group of edge guys, I just didn't think offered as much. So I get Mazzie Smith at 20 here and then love the way the board fell here because at 37, Keon White from Georgia Tech is still there. 6'5", 275, absolute high motor, can play that. If you're worried about this kind of thing, can play that traditional 3-4 defensive end spot, can move around. He's got enough shimmy to him. He can get to the quarterback. Uh, He's just a powerful dude, and uh, motor never stops running. So love – I mean – My God, you talk about Mazzie Smith at nose, Keon White as one of your defensive ends, and Will Anderson as an outside linebacker to pair with Nuosu and Draymond Jones, Jaron Reed. Now you're talking about Pete Carroll said he wanted a dynamic defensive line, defensive front. Now you're talking. 52, Jack Campbell again. Same reasons. 83, Luke Whipler, was gone, this time went with Joe Tippman. He was a guy that I, I loved for months. Somebody posted some video of him again today, kind of reminded me of that love for as big as he is. He's bigger and stronger than Whipler, but man, he can move for a guy that size. Just malls guys on the second level. 123, Parker Washington again. 151, this time double-dipped at linebacker again. And I do like this Dorian Williams out of Tulane 6'2", 220, more of a coverage linebacker. There's some questions about his ability to step up in the run game, but he can really go sideline to sideline, dynamic athleticism and uh, really good zone coverage skills, which is what the Seahawks are looking for. And so the reason I like Williams there is I love the pairing of him long term with Campbell. And you can never have too many linebackers. And he's a guy that would excel at special teams as well. At 154, running back again, but Roshan Johnson, the backup to Bijan Robinson out of Texas. If it wasn't for Bijan, this guy probably would have been one of the top rushers in the nation. Um, he's kind of known. You've probably seen a lot of highlights of him hurdling guys. He's a big back who runs smaller than he looks, if that makes sense. He's a little bit shiftier than he looks at 225 pounds. Uh, Josh Wiley is the tight end here. At 198, more of a move tight end, more of a guy that excels in the passing game, um, has some work to do as a blocker, 6'6", uh, kind of more, more like Colby Parkinson than he is like Will Disley. And then again, at 237, Andre Coburn was there again for the same reasons. So does that give you kind of an idea of, of how it can be structured? Look, I'll put it this way. I like the first draft because I love Van Ness. But I like the second draft a hell of a lot better. To me, it's hands down. It's, it's again, it's opportunity cost. I can, I can make the argument and I can understand the argument for taking a quarterback at five. And if it happens on draft day, I'll sit here and I'll, and and we'll, we'll talk about it. We'll talk about why it does make sense. It'll just be, it'll be frustrating as a fan because it's something we're not going to see pay off. It'll be almost like when you watch a, a baseball draft and the Mariners take, wow, this this kid, they just took number 10 overall. Sure looks good. See you in five years. Can't wait. <laughs> okay, Harry Ford. Wow, you sound like a great player. See you in five years, right? Um, so the immediate payoff, but also I just think the balance, like I love Lucas Van Ness, but basically you look at the second and the first draft and you're swapping out Van Ness for Keon White and you're adding Will Anderson. That's the way I look at it. Also allowed me the opportunity to double, double dip at linebacker, which I think is important. I just think i I would be happy with that first draft. I'd be ecstatic with the second draft. In fact, I would make an argument if they they came out with that group of players in that second mock draft, I think that's a contender. I honestly do. I think that is a NFC contending roster and one that's going to open up a contention window for years to come. And, oh, by the way, Gosh, we missed an opportunity to take a quarterback, potential future franchise quarterback at five. You don't get those opportunities all the time. We don't expect to be drafting that high again. Yep. But this year's quarterback draft was so oddly unique in that it was top heavy, four guys that most teams like, and then a whole lot of shit (laughs) after that. You can talk about Hendon Hooker. To me, he doesn't fit this roster where they're at right now. He's 27, 28 years old by the time he would play. If he plays at all next year's draft, I've said it before. I'll say it again until I'm blue in the face is a lot more layered. There are the elite guys. And then there are guys at the back half of the first round. There aren't any of those this year. There's not a single player in this draft. I believe that uh, is going to fit that mold of, well, maybe someone's going to think about trading up into the end of the first round so they can get that fifth year option on him. No, no one's going to view Hendon Hooker that way. But next year, yeah, there's guys like that. There's guys on day two and day three teams could target that could be starting quarterbacks in this league for a long time. And also the fact that there is more veteran quarterback movement in the NFL now than there ever was before. That if quarterback's the last piece you need, you can go get it. That's what the Rams did. Right? They got Stafford. They needed the... the, They thought he fit better than Jared Goff. Jared Goff wasn't going to quite get him over that hump. They went and sold out to get him. They got him. They won a Super Bowl. They're paying for it now, but I don't think they would trade that. The difference is their roster was ready for that. Seahawks aren't there right now. But you put a draft together like this second one that we just talked about, and you're not happy with Geno Smith's development next year, or he gets, God forbid, he gets hurt you don't like how the draft falls next year. You don't have a shot at that guy that you want. You can go get a veteran. Lots and lots of options. Um, But I hope that helped kind of illustrate that and that you thought it was fun. Uh, Let me do this now. Um, Because I did get some questions today on Twitter. Um, and one was in in specifically about the potential for trading down. Um, and I, I think this is a fun discussion to have because you see a lot of speculation. You see all these all these national mock drafts now. And for the most part, whenever I see speculation about trading down, I always kind of scratch my head, it doesn't look right, and then I have to go and cross-check it. And sure enough, I don't think very many of these guys use. Oh, I just got a notification for the Seahawks. I thought it might be a player signing or some sort of move. It is not. <laughs> it's just, Hey, the draft is a month away. Um, the new draft caps are out. By the way, have we run out of, I think we've run out of all the good cap designs. I, I haven't seen a new hat come out in four years that I wanted to buy. And I say that as someone who has 50 hats, but I just stopped buying them four or five years ago. Cause uh, just, they all look like crap. Anyway. <laughs> Sorry, a little tangent there. Um, there is such a thing as a draft chart. You may have heard it, of it before. Um, and the first one to really develop this was Jimmy Johnson. And he put together essentially a scale of well, assigning a value to each and every draft slot in the draft so that you knew that if you were going to draft, if if you were working on a trade with another team and you wanted to trade down from five to 10, well, here's, here's what... The, The fifth pick is worth, and so I need equal value back. It's an inexact science, obviously. There are teams that go by it. There are teams that don't go by it. There are teams that don't give a shit, and they're willing to overpay. I'm okay. (laughs) Uh, The Dan Cave Studios are located on First Hill. There's four hospitals within three blocks of me. So, As as soundproof as my windows are, there's only so much you can do about an ambulance, right? um but then a few years ago a gentleman named Rich Hill did a bunch of research and he took the Jimmy Johnson chart and he uh made some conversions and and tried to match it up a little bit more with with recent actual draft history um and that's the one that I typically tend to use again not an exact science and teams will uh sometimes just tear the chart up if they want a player and they want to be aggressive move up and get him so the question came uh to me today. Of and hold on a second, I want to give credit where credit is due um, and see where this came from. Uh, so, follower and user uh, Chris Novak asked, What's a realistic trade package the Seahawks could get from Tennessee? moving down from five to 11, or how about Atlanta at eight? So here's what I did. I pulled out the Rich Hill trade chart and I did the math for you. So Tennessee at 11, the Seahawks own the fifth pick, that's worth, by the chart, 468 points. The 11th pick is worth 358. That's a difference of 110. Historically, quarterback trades, teams that trade up for a quarterback, which presumably is what would be happening here, have paid, about 120 or $1.20 on the dollar, 120% in quarterback trades, which should equate to about 132 points or so. Tennessee has the 41st pick in the draft in the second round. That's 146 points. Then they have the 72nd pick in the third round that equals 67 points. They don't have a fourth rounder. So if Tennessee wanted to come up from 11 to 5, they could just order the 41 or or offer the 41. It's an overpay. But if they're moving up because they want Will Levis or they want Anthony Richardson or whoever QB4 is that slips to 5 and the Seahawks don't want to go that direction, they might just do that. They might just offer the 41st, and now the Seahawks have three seconds. Right? Right? They could also do this. They could offer the 72, their third rounder, and a twenty twenty-four second. The way teams look at this is, it is a future pick is less valuable, so you have to pay more, right? So a current third would be a future two. Does that make sense? So would you do that trade to drop from five to 11? In exchange for a third, second rounder or a second, third rounder and a second next year. Now, if in this scenario, the Seahawks have decided to punt on quarterback in the first round, right? So maybe a deal like that makes sense because it gives you that extra ammunition. If you do want to move up next year and get a guy that happens to be falling or target a guy that you really like. Interesting. Atlanta at eight, obviously is going to not have to pay as much because you're only moving up three spots, right? So the eighth pick is worth 406. It's a difference of 62 points. If you add that extra 20% kind of quarterback surcharge onto it, it's 74. They own the 44th pick in the second round. That's 135. That would be a clear and significant overpay. The 75th pick in the third round is 63 points. And then they have two fourths, the 110 and the 113, worth 30 and 28 points. Um, so it's interesting. You know, they could play around with, they could overpay a little bit. If they don't want to pay the 44th, they could give you a third and a fourth. Uh, or the Seahawks could demand the 44, and maybe they would throw in something later in the draft back at Landis Way. Um, but hopefully that that helped just kind of give you a little bit of an idea of, uh, of what it would gain the Seahawks. And and look, if they make a, a trade like that, it's because they believe based on their board that a player that they really like is going to be there at 11. And in that, in that scenario, I would argue maybe that player's Lucas Van Ness, that that might be around the range kind of 11 to 15 that he's projected to go. As I said, I don't see him falling to 20 as he did in one of the mocks I did today. So maybe they feel like, look, this is a this is a game-changing type player that we feel like is just as valuable as anybody else we could get at five. Maybe, maybe Will Anderson's off the board and they decide that Van Ness has just as much value to them as Tyree Wilson or they're concerned about his foot or whatever. That based on what they're hearing other teams are going to do, let's move down to 11, we still get our guy and we add another second. All right. And just checking to see if there's any other late uh, questions. Uh, Here's one that I kind of touched on. Let's throw that on the screen. Tony in Montana. Thanks for the kind words. Tony says, have you given thought to hooker in the early second? Again, I have, and I've run a ton of scenarios and I've talked on this show I think months ago, I think when Michael Thompson did our first off season, Mike draft mock draft, Mike draft, (laughs) uh, three months ago, we talked about hooker as a possibility. Maybe even we took him and I thought he was a fit for the offense. I thought when I watch him on tape, he actually looks a lot like Geno Smith throws a really good deep ball, which is something Pete Carroll loves and, and Shane Waldron values. Um, he's accurate. Um, and I think, you know, given the luxury of not having to play him right away, you can make sure that he's fully recovered from that ACL. Uh, seems to be a guy that interviewed really well, I guess, at the Combine. So in that sense, he makes a lot of sense. I just think I'll use kind of the same statement that I made with with Lamar Jackson uh, for different reasons, obviously. Um, good player, but maybe just not the right player at the right time. That... If you believe Geno Smith's the guy and he's going to give you value for the next two or three years before you hand it off to a younger player and get less expensive at that position, now you're talking about a guy, Hennon is going to be 28 years old by then. Um, When maybe the value and the needs that this team has that can be addressed in that second round, because I love, I absolutely love, I, I keep using this word, but that second round and even the third. It's thick. That's where I think the value is. And that's why I like the idea of trading down if it can get you an extra two or three because I want as many players as possible in there. And and in particular, a lot of the players that are clumped up in there are guys that can help you with your most pressing needs right now, which is uh, defensive line, edge, linebacker. That's where the linebacker run is likely going to start. So if you want a guy like Jack Campbell or Dan Henley, if you're taking Hendon Hooker in the second, you're probably missing out on one of those guys. So again, you're taking a guy that's not going to play for a few years. And the opportunity cost is you're costing yourself a young player at a position of need. And you're trying to build this roster for a long-term contention window, which player is going to help you get there the fastest. That's my problem with the idea of taking Hendon Hooker. So. Uh, I think we're going to wrap this up. That's going to do it for us here today. Uh, Thanks again for listening. Back to back days. Again, if you're watching on YouTube, please subscribe to the channel. Then you get notifications. Also, (laughs) what do they say? Bang that like button, right? Um, And uh, it helps get us into the algorithm, gets us more followers, more listeners. Uh, Follow me on Twitter if you're not already at Seahawks forever and whichever podcast platform you use also subscribe then you get notification of new episodes too. If there's any breaking news or player movement I will react to that um, later this week and then uh, as we get into the draft I'm going to start doing some positional breakdowns talked about the linebackers yesterday a little bit we're going to get into position by position some guys that I like that are fits for the Seahawks so thanks again for your your support thanks for listening. Uh, I am Dan Vians. This is Seahawks Forever. Go, Hawks.